0: DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Dane Brugler, NFL Draft Analyst for The Athletic. Dane, good morning. Good
1: morning, guys. How are you doing today?
0: Good. We are uh, constantly amazed by all the love being thrown, not just to the top two quarterbacks, not just to the local guy at BYU, but five quarterbacks at the top of the draft. And you can go through the history of the NFL draft, and you can find guys who... Came in in the first round and were totally worth a pick. And they were great for their team, and their team won a lot, in some cases won Super Bowls because of them. But you also see a bunch of busts up there. At any point, do you step back, look big picture, and think, wow, if five of the first nine picks or whatever it turns out to be are first-round picks, there are some teams completely setting themselves up for bustville here because there's no way all these guys are going to work out. Yeah, you
1: know, and that's that's what history tells us you know no matter how confident we are in these evaluations uh, you know history tells us that of these five quarterbacks uh, at least two of them will not live up to expectations and you know it's so much depends on landing spot so much depends on development or lack thereof you know the coaching the supporting cast so uh, you know, it, it, it's something where you just, you know, the, all these quarterbacks are talented. There's no, there's no question about that. But when you go to the NFL, there's so much, so many more variables involved. First of all, just with college football, the NFL, two, two different sports. Um, and, and then when you're in a locker room with 30-year-old veterans who, you know, are talking about, uh, you know, their, uh, their contract situation, this and that. It's just, it just, it's tough for some of these young guys to step into that type of role and and produce early on. So. It, 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 it the, where they end up is going to hopefully you know it, it's going to be a good spot for them both personality wise and play wise. But yeah, like you said, I mean history tells us that uh, you know that some of these guys aren't going to work out. But if you're the team, you have to you have to take a chance. You know, at least I, I want a swing. Uh, I, I want my chance at bat. And you know if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I'm going to bet on high end traits. I'm going to bet on guys with uh, you know a lot of the you know check the boxes and. Let the chips fall where they may. It's, a, it's a, such a tough position to evaluate because there are just so many factors that go into, uh, you know, who's going to succeed and who's not at the next level.
2: And if we're going to go by history, uh, we're also going to find that there's plenty of quarterbacks who didn't go in the first round and end up being very good. And obviously, Wilson and Prescott come to mind here. And I'm sure if I went down rosters, I'd find somebody else. But those two come to me off the top of my head. Beyond these guys that are potential first round quarterbacks, who do you like that maybe could be what we would consider a sleeper?
1: Yeah, once we get outside the top five quarterbacks, one, to me, really stands out as being, okay, I can see this guy starting in the league for a long time, uh, and that's Davis Mills out of Stanford, uh, former five-star recruit out of high school, uh it really, it just comes down to two areas that you're worried with him. Uh, the left knee, which has been an issue for him since high school. And then the resume, only 11 career starts. And so, it, it, you, obviously, that comes down to the medicals. And it, as long as the training staff gives me two thumbs up saying, you know, he could re-injure it, but, you know, it's it's stable right now and, you know, there's, there's no long-term effects here, then I'm feeling good about Davis Mills bringing him into my organization, developing him. And seeing what we can have long term. 6'4, 220 pounds. He might be the best middle of the field thrower in this draft. Uh, he's a loose passer, uh, so he can move around a little bit. Not uh, not afraid to test those small windows. A very confident thrower. So with David Mills, I think there's a lot of traits that you're willing to bet on once you get to, you know, outside the first round. It just comes down to, uh, you know, making sure you're Comfortable with the, the durability factor, and then just the, you know the the lack of resume, the fact that he's going to need some time before he's ready for NFL snaps.
0: How much, if any, stock do you put in the line of thinking that if you're the Niners and you have George Kittle, well, don't worry about drafting quarterback. Go get Pitts. Those two together are going to make a lot of quarterbacks look really good. You buy any of that thought line of thought?
1: Uh, I mean, yes and no because selfishly I I, I'm here for it I want to see it you know it'd just be a fun from a you know football viewing perspective that would be a ton of fun but at the end of the day I I think you know you look at the 49ers uh last year you know coming off a Super Bowl appearance and the inconsistency at quarterback it just you know was a deal breaker and the 49ers weren't able to compete so you have to get the quarterback right and you know they they traded all that draft capital to get up to number three to draft the quarterback and it'll be interesting to see which one. I think we're kind of, you know, we're nine days out and we're still guessing. Um, And I don't think this is a situation where the 49ers are smoke screening or being coy. I mean, they don't need to be, because we know who the first two picks are going to be. At least we feel very, very strongly that Trevor Lawrence will be going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Zach Wilson to the New York Jets. So for the 49ers, it's more about due diligence. Uh, They were at Trey Lance's pro day yesterday in Fargo uh, the week prior uh, with Justin Fields, the week prior uh, with Matt Jones, and so they traded up to number three with a specific quarterback in mind. And then, did anything happen these last three weeks to change their mind at all? I, I think they're just they're keeping an open mind through the process. We don't know, and that's what we're kind of waiting to find out. Maybe we'll, you know, get some clues here over the final nine days. But the draft starts at number three, and we're still kind of guessing who that's going to be, and that's going to create a, a domino effect because. Whoever, Depending on who goes three, that's going to affect what the Falcons do at four, whether they go quarterback, whether they go best non-quarterback, which we think is Kyle Pitts. Uh, do they trade out of there if the right quarterback's available and we have a quarterback-desperate team willing to uh, you know, throw a lot of draft capital at Atlanta to get up to that number four pick? So a lot of intrigue, and it all revolves around what San Francisco does at number three.
2: How much stock do you think the NFL puts into college competition?
1: You know, it's all relative, um, you know, because I think you you look at, uh, you know, teams playing in the SEC and uh, the talent they have around them. I mean, Justin Fields, uh, you know, having the talent that he had at Ohio State, Matt Jones, the talent that he had at Alabama. Yeah, they're facing better defenses, but they also have better talent around them. Uh, you look at Trey Lance, who, yeah, he faced FCS competition, but – He's not really playing with a lot of guys that have NFL future. Uh, you know, the left tackle has a future, uh, NFL future, and then maybe one of those wide receivers has a shot. But for the most part, you're playing with uh, guys that aren't aren't going to be professional football players. And I mean, even Zach Wilson. You know, we look at uh, you know Brady Christensen has a chance to be a top 100 draft pick at left tackle, but Dax Milne's more of a late round prospect. Um, you know, the the two guards Herring and Hodge. And, maybe late round prospects. So, you know, Zach Wilson did not face the high level of competition that, you know, you would see in the SEC or some other conferences. But at the same time, even though he's playing with a strong supporting cast, he's playing with a good run game, play with a strong offensive line, uh, you know, his targets were, were good players, they're not, you know, NFL quality for the most part, NFL high end players. And so I think it's all relative and that that goes into the thinking when you're evaluating these quarterbacks.
0: All right, so now, Dane, now we're just going to have you step right into it, okay? we got a lot of BYU and Utah fans listening. The BYU fans think the Jets are about to do the right thing. Zach's going to go have a ton of success and make them proud. And this is going to be great, and the Jets are going to break through. There's a long line of Ute fans listening right now who are pretty sure that He is uh, undersized. He's had injury issues, although he's healthy this year. He's going to get beat up in the NFL. He's going to be revealed because he didn't play elite competition this year. And plus, it's the Jets, and they're going to screw up around him. Who's right? Ute fans or Cougar (laughs) fans? How's this going to play out?
1: Well, I think just focusing on the player. Um, I'm a big Zach Wilson fan, and I've been bullish on that since the fall. Um, you know, I took a lot of heat in my first mock draft back in November. I put Wilson at number two, and people just went nuts. And uh, but I mean, here we are. I think it's become them you know accepted as that's what's going to happen. And I think he's just an easy player to like when you you watch the off platform throws, the natural accuracy, the way he can char- change his arm angles and not sacrifice velocity or ball placement. Um, he's a sharp kid. He's athletic. Uh, you know, there are there things he needs to work on? Yeah, absolutely. He's twenty one years old, um, you know, in terms of escaping the pocket before he needs to or uh just, just the way he, you know, reads certain defenses um from certain alignment. I mean, there, there are certain things he needs to get better at, but that's nothing that's you know uncommon for a true junior quarterback. Uh do you wish he were bigger? Yeah, I I wish he was six five and you know, two thirty and still moved the way he did, but you know, what's this does not uh, realistic, uh, you know, six two two fifteen is decent size and you know good enough to to make it at the next level. Uh, you know, plenty of quarterbacks that size or even smaller have found success. So um, you know, I, I, it's just being smart with your body and staying durable. That's something that's hard to predict. Um, going to the Jets, where offensive line has not been a strength for that team. I think it's on the upswing. Makai Becton at left tackles one of the best young left tackles in the league. Uh, you know, they have five picks in the first three rounds. They're going to invest in the offensive line uh, more and more. Uh, and I think when you look at the Jets with a new head coach coming in, Robert Sala, um, you know, who's a player's coach, uh, you know, with the LaFleur offensive coordinator, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a system in a Shanahan mold, which fits uh, Zach Wilson very well. And, and the uh, general manager, Joe Douglas, in his second year, I think they're headed in the right direction. So as long as ownership doesn't get in the way, the Jets could be turning the page here. I don't think that's crazy to think that when you look at the general manager, the head coach, and the potential of Zach Wilson and the potential of this roster of what they're putting around him. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how this plays out uh, for both Wilson and the Jets because you know there's definitely a path to success when you break it all down on paper and how it could play out.
2: Yeah, let's hear it for Broadway Zach, huh, going forward. Maybe that'll happen. <laughs> uh, you know, one, one of the things that we've seen is these these individual coaches, particularly at the quarterback position, been getting a lot of run. And John Beck's a former BYU mm-hmm. quarterback, and he's running these camps down in Southern California. He seems to be everywhere from going to pro days in Florida to being on podcasts. He talked about, I served him on a Peter King one where he talked about when he gets off the field mid-morning or late morning, early afternoon, whatever it is, he's got dozens and dozens of messages waiting for him. Uh, How much do you think that the NFL people are relying on these types of men who are involved in this training to help them with their selections? I don't know that
1: they're relying necessarily, but it is a resource.
2: Um, You know,
1: because the NFL team, there's no such thing as too much information. You want to get all the relevant info. And, you know, it it could be tough because obviously, you know, quarterback coaches are a little biased. You know, how how truthful are they really going to be with you about a player's strengths and weaknesses? And even like a player like John or a coach like John Beck, who, you know, he's been through the process being a high-level college player and then being a draft pick, being in the NFL. And he's coaching multiple quarterbacks in this class. It's not like it's just one. So it's multiple. So is he going to feel comfortable? Really being honest about where uh, you know some of these guys need to improve, where their shortcomings are as players, um, I, you know that's where it gets a little tough. It's a little and, and you know it's it, that happens at every school around the around the country. Teams know which coaches are being honest with them and which are just going to pump up their players, and that's that, that's part of it. And you know I don't I don't know John Beck whether or not you because know, he's not going to necessarily say that publicly, but how he talks with NFL teams you know, it's that we just, we're not sure. We don't know that part of it. And that's something that NFL teams, you know, they feel like he's being honest and he's willing to say, hey, this is where, you know, Justin Fields, he needs to get better at this, this, this area, or he's not going to make it. Things like that, you know, then they're going to take that. They're going to, you know, take that into account and see if it matches up with what they're seeing as well. But, you know, the quarterback position, There's so many variables that go into success and failure at the NFL level. It's it's the hardest position to evaluate. So the more information you can get from all these different resources, people that have spent time with the players, understand their psyche a little bit both on and off the field, you you take all that into account and, and try to figure it out, come to the best conclusion.
0: So I'm curious what you think the Patriots are going to do, if they're going to go with Cam Newton or if they're setting up another move here. I've seen plenty of speculation. I think they're 15, but I've seen people saying, oh, they can get to 10 if they want a quarterback and make a deal with the Cowboys. And if the five quarterbacks go in the top nine, A, does one of them slip one more spot to them? Or once you're 10, you can get to eight anyway and make another deal. What is Belichick doing? Does anybody have any idea? Or, you know, he's basically the the CIA or FBI of the NFL and nobody knows.
1: Well, you know, I I think that when you look at uh, the track record, Bill Belichick and his, you know, 25 years or so of being a head coach and, and, you know, a top decision maker for a team, his teams have only drafted a quarterback in the first two rounds once, and that was Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, And so it's just – when you think about it, though, he had Tom Brady for, what, 20 of those years? So I don't know that necessarily is a big enough sample size for us to make a determination about whether or not he's going to take a quarterback early or whether or not he's going to be aggressive to get that quarterback. I, I think that he spent the last year uh, looking at that offense and how stagnant it could be at times. And, you know, they, they brought Cam Newton back as, I think that, you know, that's that's your insurance. That's, you know, I, that, that's probably the best we could do in terms of free agency, in terms of trades. Uh, just bring Cam Newton back, and then, you know, we're going to draft a young guy. But, you know, which young guy is it? it do they have and, – and it's also fair to point out that not all of these teams love all five quarterbacks. You know, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they might love two of these guys or three of these guys. The Patriots – or the Panthers at number eight overall – Once uh, it became clear in their minds that Lawrence was going one, Wilson was going two, they said, eh, we don't really love these other guys. We're going to go get Sam Darnold. And, you know, that's going to be part of our figure-it-out situation uh, at quarterback in Carolina. So not all these teams love all of these players. And the Patriots, it's hard to know. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. If the right player were to slip to maybe, say, seven in Detroit, or eight in Carolina, nine Denver, I mean, that maybe we see a, a trade. And maybe not even just the Patriots, You Washington, some of these other teams. So it's going to be really interesting. You know, Quarterbacks, maybe one, two, three, four, which you've never seen before. And then where does that fifth quarterback land? It, do we see a big trade-up? Which team does it? It's really going to be fascinating on draft lines.
0: Well, Dane, we appreciate the time and a few thoughts on the draft. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Thanks for hopping on the show with us. Anytime. Take care, guys. Dane Burgler, you can read him. He's the NFL draft analyst for The Athletic.